You're listening to the 405 Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is of Zola Jesus. Over the last eight years, Zola Jesus has been releasing genre-bending music, each album gloriously challenging both herself and her listeners. That trend of evolution comes through with her sixth album, Akovi. Who is Zola Jesus? What does evolution mean to her? You'll have to listen to this talk to find out. This is the 405 Podcast with Zola Jesus. Enjoy. So, um, I was really looking forward to this talk specifically because I think what's really interesting about you is that, um, like, I mean, I'm going to bring it up probably loads throughout the talk is that you've just been making music and touring for like almost ever. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, I think as long as I've been like going to shows, I think you've like, your music's kind of always been there, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to start off, uh, kind of going back a little bit specifically to like when you were finished, uh, touring for your last album. I'm really curious to know where you were creatively, because I feel like with every album you've made, and I feel like this is such a big thing about you, the, the, the uh, sonic palette is so different. I just want to love to hear like the start of that. Yes. Well, um, after I made Taiga, I started touring on it a lot, and um, I was feeling very, very overwhelmed by everything, or, or I was kind of going through kind of a darker like depress- depression. And so when I was done touring with Tyga, I kind of felt drained emotionally, creatively and everything. And so I couldn't write for quite a while just because I was dealing with, you know, trying to get healthier. And um, once I did start writing, I was kind of processing everything that I had been through through those moments. And, um, and the palette kind of revealed itself to be very aggressive and um, sad and uh, a little bit more harsh, you know? Um, and so that kind of organically found found itself just through what I was going through throughout that period after Taiga and before Akovi. Wow. Uh, with, with that specifically, like, uh, where you found yourself kind of feeling so drained and just kind of, like, not able to write, was that new for you? Or It happens every time to some extent, you know, because it's like... Writing an album is so, it's just such a huge undertaking. And in some ways it's draining because you're pulling from every creative idea you could possibly have, you know? And it's like every single day, you know, I was writing up to five songs. Um, And so it just, when you're done with an album, you just feel like you have nothing left. So it takes a while to rebuild that creativity or that feeling like you have something to say. Um, But, not like this. It wasn't. It wasn't like this bad. Wow. I think what's really intriguing for people listening is that I think so many people would view the act of writing or the act of uh, expressing would be almost like the 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 remedy for something like that. Yeah. But for you, it was almost kind of like there was a bit of a block, I imagine. Yeah. It just. I mean, it's just. I think it's different for everybody, but yeah. um, you know, writing is for me such an emotionally exhausting act because it's just like. You're becoming a channel, but at the same time, you're really, it's like, you're doing a lot of uh, catharsis, and that's just, uh, it's taxing. And so, yeah, when you're done doing that, it takes a while for it to build back up. Yeah, I want to go back to that in a bit, but uh, earlier, uh, when we started this, I touched upon how sonically each of your albums would sound so different. And I feel like any time I've talked about your music to people who are familiar with it and people who aren't familiar with it, one of the words I always found associated with your music was evolution. 
where I feel like you're constantly trying to evolve as an artist, constantly trying to try and um, try different things. And it led me to wonder, like, especially leading up to talking to you, what is it about evolution you find to be important? What, what does it mean to you? And would you also say that's probably inherent with your music? Because as yeah. a listener, it definitely feels like it is. Definitely. I think it's inherent in everything I do. You know, I think it's really important to get better or to move move forward, you know? And in anything in life, I, f I start to feel really scared when I'm staying in one place for too long. I feel like I, I begin to calcify. And so... Musically, it's really important that no matter what I'm doing, I'm, I'm pushing myself in a new direction or I'm constantly facing the boundaries of discomfort because it's there where I feel like you learn more about yourself and you create better work and, and it's more honest because you're constantly vulnerable. Whereas once you get comfortable, it's like things just start to uh, stagnate. And I feel like that's not where the beautiful music lives and that's not where the beautiful life lives you know it lives in those moments of tension and, and fear you know really what about that particularly with life what do you mean when you say that about the beautiful life <laughs> well I, I don't live I, I usually don't live in places for longer than maybe a couple years oh. where I constantly feel like I need to be pushing myself or changing or changing my scenery or putting myself in situations that are usually very like uh, just kind of throw my life up into upheaval. <laughs> so, um, and I feel the same thing with my music where I just am constantly trying to rewrite the book in a way. Yeah, so I guess in a, in a sense, the idea of like there being an ideal probably doesn't really exist for you or like that concept. There's definitely an ideal. There's an ideal of what I feel like my best song would be or my best work would be, but I've come to learn that I'll never get there. So mostly what I look for is am I maybe even getting closer or am I at least trying to get there because um, there is an ideal I just know it doesn't really exist you know? but when you said that just now about not feeling like you could ever get there is that the I'm curious because I feel like what you're almost describing is the aspect of like how creativity is almost like this endless pursuit like this kind of like um, striving force and hunger within you do you feel like that's kind of what you meant by that or yeah definitely I feel like I create, you know, sometimes people ask me, well, why do you make music? It's like I do it because it's the way, it's my means of trying to get closer to what I feel to be a utopia or an ideal in terms of, like, my, you know, your life. Like, you know, yeah. the things that I want to put out into the world or the, the world that I want to experience. And I use music as a means to do that. I don't know if that answers your question. but No, it kind of does. It definitely yeah. does. Um, you know, you brought up something, too, that I, I've definitely had. It's, you brought up uh, tension and discomfort, which is, interestingly enough, probably the way I would describe watching your live set. Not for me as a viewer, but, like, watching the way you are live. Um, for anyone, let's say, who hasn't seen uh, her perform live before, it's, it's really something else. <laughs> Particularly just the way... I would say that it's this amazing contrast between where you look quite ravaged and quite, like, tense and, like, primal, yet there's kind of like a rhythmic to it and quite a, like a beauty to it and as tension filled as you seem on stage there's also like this comfortability that I feel like that is there Do you, is that kind of what it's like for you when you're on stage in a sense like I think uh my um default is just pure chaos on stage like I kind of feel like an animal but but at the same time I strive to have a sense of elegance or sophistication or mastery, yeah. especially from like studying opera from a very young age. And, and the stage was your, 
that was your uh, that was your moment, you know, to showcase or or to really uh, become or show the mastery of what you were doing. I don't know. But so when I get on stage, though, it's like. I have elements of that, but mostly they're overshadowed by just like my primal fear. So <laughs> there's definitely a push-pull of those two opposing forces. A performance that really sticks out to me, and I think I saw you after that, but this one really sticks out, was I think it was about two years ago, and you're performing at Warsaw, just a couple blocks away. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was looking forward to that because I hadn't seen you in a while. And it was, it was really cool, but like I just remember once you went on stage, it was just like... Whatever expectations me or anyone else in the room had were just like completely gone, mm-hmm. and just like seeing the way you're performing, like, like do, when it, when it comes to performing, like, what is the? Because I see you interact with audience members sometimes. Well, what's that human connection like for you? Like, what's important about that for you? Well, <clears throat> um, for me, performing is the closest I'll ever get to connecting with not only the people that listen to the music, but also just people in general. I sometimes have a hard time connecting to people. Um, I'm very introverted. And so it's just it's just a means to try to ground everybody, you know? It's like a leveling. And so <clears throat> it's just the closest I'll get to feeling like I can reach out and, and we all have something in common and like finding this finding yeah, this common ground together. And so that's why I really like and push myself to go look people in the eyes, look them in the, in the eyes, touch them. Like this is the closest you'll ever get to letting your music, you know, be a means of of connecting, you know? And so that's, I don't know. What do you think kind of informs that? Do you feel like that's partially informed by like experiences you had seeing other live musicians or is it just kind of like, um, the conversations you have with yourself about how you want your live music to be. It's not even that about, it's not, it's more subconscious than that. I think it's really just um, performing. The interesting thing about it is that it's, you know, personally I get into a fight or flight. So whatever happens is usually kind of like subconscious. And I try not to plan things. I try, I'll never have like choreography or dance moves because as soon as I get on stage, it all goes out the window. And so, Whatever is happening is happening kind of based on instinct. Um, And so I I started reaching out to people physically, like like you said, and and I I had to actually reflect and go, why am I doing this? (laughs) And that's like, that's how I'm getting, I I think in reflection, I'm like, maybe I'm doing that because that's one of the few ways that I can connect with people in such a genuine, honest, no bullshit way. You know, like looking someone in the eye is so, so intimate and vulnerable. And to do that, you know, in in the context of a performance, I think it's just like a yeah, it's like a leveling thing. Yeah, it's funny you brought that up just now because I think I remember seeing you perform at Firefly as well, and I think no, I don't think I remember this vividly. <laughs> I remember you like went to like the back of the stage and you did like almost like a full blown sprint yeah. towards like <laughs> the jump off the edge, yeah. and you started touching people like at the the front, like at the very, just kind of like making sure your hands were connecting, and just yeah. I remember just seeing that was so fucking cool. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it, that's, when I see someone live, it's like, I want it to feel kind of transcendental as an audience member. You know, I love music and I love love seeing live bands, but, you know, I don't like it when it feels like it's a painting or it's like a movie. I don't want you to feel like you're watching a movie. I want to feel like you're a part of the movie, you know? And so, um, I think that's probably why I do what I do. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that makes sense. Um, I hate word association. 
I, I hate it. But something I was really curious with asking you is, I feel like maybe there was a time, and maybe even now to some people, some people might find a way to still describe your music as pop or having a semblance of pop. I'm curious, what does the word pop mean for you? Like when you hear that word, and even especially associated with you, what, is it, what do you feel like it means? It means populist to me. It means that if you're talking about pop music, you're talking about something that is kind of like a universal language that people can instantly kind of recognize and understand. There's like a system and it's emotional, you know? It's almost more of like a visceral uh, language, you know? But it's, it's collective. And so it's not something that you need to train your ears to like unless you're, you know, some special people. <laughs> but, <laughs> but typically it's like, yeah, it's much more, it's much more of an instinctual type of music. And, and I, I am drawn to those conventions because there is such a universality in pop. And I'm like, that's, I, I want to make music for people. I don't want to make music for a special type of people. I want to make music for people. And I want to let the emotions and what I'm saying dictate who it reaches out to. But I don't want people to feel like they have to get something. They need to listen to Stockhausen or they need to listen to like some obscure uh, academic type of music in order to understand it, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, then you're kind of defeating the purpose. You can't re reach the people that you might need to reach. You know? Yeah, I think what's really especially interesting with you specifically is I feel your music kind of has that dichotomy where there is a lot of, like I love that you use the word visceral, that's like such a massive way to describe your music, but like, I feel like there's no, and I mean this is the highest compliment in the world, there's like no pretentiousness to your music, like there's no element of that, at least to me. Thank you. you. Know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You know, um, touching on the live stuff again, I think the first time I saw you live was either 2010 or 2011. And it was at like Ace Hotel for like CMJ. Oh yeah. 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 Like, that was so long ago. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, it wasn't technically it wasn't as long ago, but it feels like a. I know. Ago. It feels like a, a yeah a lifetime. It really does, and I've seen you like several times after that, and I just brought up the Warsaw and the Firefly performances, mm -hmm. but those were so different from the first time I saw you, and we talked a bit about like how your albums end up being very different, and I'm curious like. How much do you feel the live show, when you go out on stage again, ends up being reflected from what you did in a studio? It depends. Like, um, I can answer this question. You mean, like, within the production of the show? Like, how I'm performing it or how I'm performing? Uh, how I'm playing it or how I'm performing it? How you're performing it. Okay. Because oh. in terms of that, like, for instance, Taiga is very different than Okovi. And I... world's different, I'd say. It's quite, yeah, it's quite, it's very different. And I performed it differently because it's like... Taiga was this, for me, it felt like extroversion. And so the way that I performed that album was very high energy, very extroverted, um, because that's what the songs demanded. You know, they demanded kind of like this, this open, this openness, but kind of in like a confident way where I had to really trust what I was doing. And, um, but with Okovi, it's very, very sad, very personal. And I perform, I perform it as such, you know. Because that's just what the songs are like, you know. They're they're really intense to perform. Yeah. Um. So, from an emotional standpoint, so it just yeah, it demands a different. When do you feel like you come to a realization, like in the midst of writing your songs, or when it's like all done and kind of in a collected, like form? In terms of performing it, or yeah, when you have like the like what you said just now, how the songs will demand how you perform. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something you realize after the songs are finished, or in the midst of making them? 
It's it's afterwards, and everything is so instinctual that it's like, when it comes to performing that it's like okay, what is the song about, and then whatever comes out comes out. But you know, it's something I don't usually contextualize with words. I'm just doing it now because you're asking me. <laughs> but like 90% of the stuff that you're asking me, I don't even think about. But I will. I'll think about it with you. <laughs> That's what I think is so interesting about interviews and chats and things like that, and um, just like the whole like everything that's a part of the music it, I use air quotes when I use this yeah. word the music industry because I hate that word so much but like it's intriguing like all these elements that are apart from the music That because yeah. I feel like there's never much thought that goes into it from an artist because like for you especially it's like you create so much that, that the idea that you have to think about so much other stuff I like it blows my mind knowing you have a life outside of creating. <laughs> Not much, but no. <laughs> but I think, too, it's like so much about creating is intrinsic. It's like you try to shut the mind off, you know? And so the more you think about it, especially in the process of making it, the worse it will be. Or, or it won't even come out at all. So it's not until afterwards that you can reflect or, you know, it's usually when prompted by interview questions. Am I like, oh, let me see if I can try to answer your question. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you do that work kind of right in the moment. That's an interesting parallel because just now you said that when you're creating, it's a, in a sense you're trying to shut your mind off. But when we started talking, you brought up how that was a very difficult thing to do. Did, oh yeah. In a sense, when you were in that space, do you feel like, because most of my friends are musicians and photographers and writers, other creatives, and something I feel like I've noticed with a lot of us in the last couple of years or so is that the the creative outputs that we have, what we retreat to for creativity, in a way could almost make it, the act of these creative things can make it difficult to shut our minds off yeah. in ways we never even thought could be possible. Was music doing that in a way where it's kind of like became too all-encompassing? Oh yeah. And sometimes even just in terms of like how it became my entire life, you know, which I love and, and I would never give up. but. But then it's like, um, it just becomes hard to differentiate reality from from your creation, you know? Because it's like, it's all the same thing. And it always will be. But, um, yeah, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Do, when you were in that situation, and I'm just really fascinated because of just like what I said before about like how imagining you having a life outside of your music is just like, it's almost crazy to me, but yet it's almost it's obvious because you're a human being. But I wonder when you were finding yourself in that space, was it connecting with other people that you found to be a bit of refuge, or connecting with something else, whether it was like reading or traveling or anything like that? Uh, yeah. You mean in terms of like outside of music? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just moments where you know, I feel like I'm not thinking of myself as a musician. Which I do, I mean, I very rarely think of myself as a musician unless I'm in this situation where I'm talking to you. But, um, but like, for instance, I got a cat like six months ago. Oh. And that was interesting because, you know, it kind of pulls you out. So having a pet or having a child, which I won't have, but you know, <laughs> a pet's as close as I'll get. Yeah. But it pulls you outside of yourself and it, and it forces you to have to think about the world in such like a primal context that, um, it's nice because it's like my cat doesn't give a shit about anything <laughs> except catching chipmunks and, and sleeping. But um, but things like that, that, that just pull you out of your own life and out of yourself, it's refreshing because then when you have to come back into yourself, it's like, it just kind of is more a little bit more um, 
you had like that moment of meditation, you know, in a way outside of it. And I think that's important and I didn't always have that balance. And so I've been trying really hard to have, have balance in my life where I don't feel like my music just dictates my, my happiness. Because very often I do feel like my music and the success or failure of it is a direct representation of my success or failure as a human being. And that becomes really damaging really quickly. It, it, do, it can be. It, it does and it can be. And I feel like many people would relate to that. Like that dichotomy of it. Yeah. It's like do or die. And it's, it's you know, and in, in one part, it's, you know, at one point, it's like, it'll always kind of be like that for me because my music is so a part of me. But at the same time, you need to, like, pinch yourself and go, look, I'm still you know, my, again, like my success or failure is not dictated by some song I put out in the world and whether people uh, respond to it or, or are connected because yeah. of it. Especially as well with the people in your life, because I think something that's really interesting about being creative is that, uh, especially with someone like you who puts so much creative work out there, the only contact so many people have with you is your like art and your music, yet there's also other people in your personal life that know you as you and yeah. the music is just like a complete side thing yeah and I've, I actually try um, and ever since I began making music I tried really hard to have a sense of anonymity which is slowly being I think stripped from me but you know I thought it was really important even though my music is 100% me and there's no character it's just it's just a direct line I still think it's important to have some parts of you that are sacred and protected. Yeah. You know, like my family, there, there are just parts of me that I just really try to uh, uh, maintain separate, you know, just as a means of, you know, like I think about so many pop stars and I think about someone like, even just like, let's say Britney Spears. Yeah. Britney Spears was born Britney Spears. That is, she is Britney Spears. Yeah. But her entire existence like everything from her as a baby to her growing up and her outside of her fame or outside of her celebrity was stripped from her and exploited and you can see how that that changed her you know like yeah. all same with like Mike, someone like Michael Jackson where it's like their entire being was taken from them because of celebrity and i'm not saying i'm a celebrity but i'm saying when you're an artist you need to protect parts of yourself that will always be sacred and always will be um, kept kind of in like a little box just yeah. for you and for your family because otherwise I think it will really mess with your sense of self and it will de I don't know if this is a word but de humiliate you or something or like yeah. you know strip uh, that ability for humility I've definitely used like two or three non-words in this talk yeah, so yeah, okay, you're okay. fine <laughs> you're one for three unhumbleize unhumbleize yeah I think I said well. yeah. <laughs> but um, no I love what you said that just now because I think what's really intriguing about because, you know, you said just now that you're not a celebrity, but I feel like what's important to contextualize is that there are levels to that, like losing your anonymity. And, I, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, it's it's really interesting you said that just because I feel it does come across in your music because, like, I brought it before, I've been listening to your music for years, and it's interesting where I feel like I have a gauge of you as a person, yet at the same time, I don't know you. Mm -hmm. But I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, well, so I don't think anybody knows anyone by listening to their music, but they think they do. Or, or yeah. you know, you know, you know parts of them. Yeah, I guess what I mean more is that I never have listened to your music and felt like I knew you the way I probably felt like I knew someone else in their music. Yeah. But it, it, it's interesting where I feel like some people might find that as like a 
hindrance or maybe like uh, distance. For me, it's never felt that way. It's always felt kind of like this is just so raw. We brought the word visceral yeah. before. I feel like it's so raw of like who you are. Anyway, that's like a really interesting duality that you have. Yeah. You mean wait? So you're saying that you think you know you know more about me or less than the average musician based on the listening? Less. Less. But okay. not that it's bad. That's the interesting thing. Like, cause I feel like yeah. sometimes. Like, sometimes you'll hear journalists go, like, I listen to this record, and I have no idea who this person is. Yeah. But, like, when I listen to your music, it's almost like, yeah, I don't know who she is, but, like, why do I need to? Exactly. Well, the thing is, like, with my music, all I'm really trying to do is just tap into, like, again, that universe- universality, where it's like... <laughs> That's too. <tuna. laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, look, you don't need to know anything about me. You don't need to know where I grew up, or you don't need to know whatever how I grew up or anything what I eat for dinner but but we have something in common like you and I have something in common and I know when I'm, I'm going to find it because we everyone shares the same fears the same anxieties deep down we're all lost in one way or another and I feel like that is all I care about exploring are the things that keep us connected and that that keep us kind of all um uh grounded in a way yeah and it has, again, it has nothing to do with the ways we grew up or, or who we are because it's like, it's so much deeper than that. And it's so much more um, like metaphysical in a way where it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's not about the details. Does it feel like that was like coming to that realization? Like, I almost hesitate to use the word stance, but like to come across what, the way you just put that just now. Do you feel like it was a journey getting to that point, or was that kind of like a bit of a mantra from day one about like how you're gonna approach writing? That's just how I approach writing. Like I wish I could write things more abstractly or, or not have these, ha- you know, approach music in that way. Yeah. But whenever I sit down to write, it always becomes about using songs as a means to not, not only understand myself, but it's understanding the parts of myself that I share with everybody else, you know, that we all share. Because it's those parts that sometimes I have a hard time, like I said, connecting with people. And and I'm fixated on trying to figure out and connect with people in a way where, you know, it's like the music is just pulling from those layers that we all share. So, I, I, it's again, it's, it's an automatic thing, and I, I usually don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to go into your upcoming album, because it's fantastic to know that there's an album coming out again. And um, the first song that came from it, Exhumed. That was it, yeah. Mm-hmm. What a fucking track to be a first <laughs> track. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes artists step away from it being seen this way, but I feel like us as music fans and listeners, we can't help but feel that sometimes the lead single of an album in a way ends up being like a statement, mm-hmm. or at least kind of like giving context for the record that's about to come. With Exhumed, I think it's fair to say it, it's a fairly weird track. Yeah. But it's weird in a way where it's just... I feel like it's a track that every time, if someone was to write out what it's about, it's almost like the track while you're listening to it takes form and stops you from having a hold on it. Oh. And, uh, do you like that kind of description? Yeah, that? yeah, I do. Oh, that's well, fantastic you. to hear. Yeah. No, like I just noticed your face. I kind of like, yeah, yeah go on. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I wonder if that track specifically, like, what were you hoping people would get from it, and just like, how does it feel to to be able to choose that as a track people would hear first? I just liked how cathartic it was, and it was real. It was a really important one to write for me because it was like uh, one of the first songs that I wrote after getting through my depression, and I can sense it in the song. I can sense the resentment and anger, and it was just—it's like the different levels of grief or whatever. And I felt like it was another 
it was like a step in the right direction for me. Um, but then also just, it's just, it just felt intuitively, I felt like that's the song people needed to hear first. And it doesn't really represent the album. The album is very diverse and actually a little bit more maybe sad or, or emotional in different ways. It's not as like aggressive, but, um, but that's how I felt like I wanted the album. Yeah. It's just what I wanted people to hear first, just cause I felt like it's, it's, I needed to get through all that stuff, get it out of the way. Yeah. I don't know. I can't really. <laughs> no, I think you're doing a good job <laughs> describing is. it. Um, you know, like it's been really, in- I keep saying this, but honestly, it's been really, uh, for anyone who's listening, who's not from Zola Jesus music, you really do need to listen to records because each one's so different. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's, I think that's truly amazing. And just like, like with this, I mean, like this, is this going to be your fifth or sixth album? I lost count. Yeah, but well, in the beginning, I was putting things out and not really considering them albums. You know, there would be EPs or stuff, yeah. but I consider it Strudelum Canadis. I think it's my fourth? Wait, Strudelum Canadis, Tyga. Okay. I, I would consider it fourth, even though the spoils. Oh, the spoils, too. Yeah. Yeah, fifth, maybe. Okay. So, I mean, I think about this all the time, like how there's bands and singers out there who have been around for maybe like a decade or two decades and they maybe only have like three or four albums yeah i know somehow. <laughs> but yeah. here you're about to release your fifth album when you when you're in the studio when you're in that environment and you're making music what does it feel like to you like is it does it sometimes feel like the studio is where you need to be because i feel like the albums almost represent that despite the different range of emotions that might be conveyed in there i think to an extent um it's like another chance so I'll put, make an album and then I'll feel like um, I did that. Okay, now I have another chance. I have another chance to to make something even better or make something more fully realized or to get closer to that ideal, you know. And um, and so I kind of become hungry for it, where it's like it's just I'll never get to that to that destination. But every time I make an album, I feel like I get closer, and so I just keep wanting to do it. Wow, another chance. The way yeah. you describe that, that, that's really interesting to me. Because in a sense, I'd imagine it's almost like... It, it almost feels like you never take it for granted in that sense. That you always know that when the album's done, because you... Um, this could just be conjecture on my part, but just because it took so much from you, the fact that you got to that end point is almost like... You're, you're grateful for that, in a sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, every time I make an album, I'm like, wow, okay. Well, that might might be my last one. And I know, I think a lot of people, a lot of musicians say that, where after they finish an album, they feel like they might not ever be able to write another album after that. But then it's just like, you just keep going because, and I feel like the more, the more albums I make, yeah, the more I, um, the deeper I have to dig. And so it just ends up getting more and more, uh, I don't know, intense. Yeah. Is it important for you to get like distance from an album once it's done? Like once you've done, you finish making it? Yeah. 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 Is it difficult to do or is it just kind of like almost inherent with you at this point? I think actually, I think to an extent, um, when I make an album, it's still in before it's come out. And while I'm touring, I'm still in the album. Like Okovi will be a part of me until I'm done touring it, you know? And so it's a living, breathing thing. But then once I'm done touring, I need, it's like you need to kind of switch to the next thing and look forward and, and, put it behind you um and that takes a minute to like readjust yeah to let the last album kind of you know get in the back of your mind 
Yeah. You know, um, just going off OKV a little bit, um, clearly imagery plays a really big role for you. And I think what's fascinating about that is just like how along with the sound and the tech, the sounds and the textures of all your releases being so different, also the imagery has been so different. And I wonder what role the imagery played here for you, specifically like with the album art and just, yeah, what, what was it, like how'd this come about? Mostly it has to do with, um, I'll find movies or I'll find pieces of art that I feel like are reflecting where I'm at emotionally. And I use them kind of as touchstones so then when I'm making the album, it's like creates a bigger, more complete picture of, of like the world. Um, and I'm not a visual artist, so I, I definitely rely on other people, you know, and I like search, I like search high and low for things that I'm like, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it. Yeah. I kind of curate like this, uh, this web of, of inspiration, visual inspiration, never musical, because the music I have, like I can do that, but yeah. visual inspiration I kind of, I, I call. Does that surprise you sometimes when you like look for like visual um, inspiration, kind of like, because I almost find that that must be a very trippy experience where you find a visual that you feel speaks to you and what you're creating, because it's almost like a bit of like a, a like a invisible link. Yeah, it's like a friend, and that's when I discovered Jesse Draxler's work, and he's the one that did the album cover. I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> he gets it, like he gets the he gets where I'm at, he gets everything, and that's why I wanted him to make. To make the album cover and to, to help with the um, basically the whole campaign is because I was just like there was like this unspoken yeah link between it, this album or myself and him and um, and that becomes really intense and, and kind of surprising to meet those it's like long lost friends in a way yeah were there many conversations before the final like cover was made or was it just kind of like almost pretty quick we we talked quite a bit and we he had a he gave me so much. So, so many uh, kind of passes and, and examples and and we um, you know I picked the one that I felt like intuitively I was like this is this is the album this this piece you made so yeah it's a process yeah. yeah I'm gonna leave off on one more question I just want to say thanks for chatting it's been great oh, yeah. delving into like the way yeah. you create um, I think the first time I ever heard your music was at 2am at like the Charleston in Williamsburg which anyone who's listening to from New York City is definitely familiar with that bar. <laughs> I can't remember the song, but I just remember like it playing in the background and just like going like, "What is that?" But, Aww. Yeah, but not in like a negative way. Oh, you mean you didn't even take it a negative way? That's good. No. Yeah. I was literally like, "What is that like sound?" But then you know, looked into your music and found out more, and that led me to like when I think back on that experience, it's kind of intriguing to me because going from your music, I don't know if it'd be. I don't know if I would describe it as 2 a.m. bar music. But. Yeah, I know that. I'm kind of impressed. I like I like when it's played at like coffee shops or bars. Cause yeah. I'm like, you really doing a number on the patrons of this place. Like. But as the person who's made this music, it led me to wonder: like, do you ever feel like there's either an ideal place or frame of mind or situation people could listen to your music, or is that kind of almost counterintuitive to what the music is? No, I mean sometimes I like I like the idea of people giving. I mean, I think every musician wants the listener to give it time, you know, and to like really listen to the album, either in the dark or while walking through the snow. No, <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely listened to your music in the snow. Actually, yeah. I remember I was supposed to see you. I think at like 
St. Vitus? Oh, yeah. yeah, and it was snowed, snowed in. Massive snow, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that show quite a bit? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did it still go well, or...? Um, not, not as many people showed up, even though I think it was sold out, I think people couldn't get there, but yeah. it was really good. I ended up like, don't really know why, but I went outside and I made everyone go outside and I sang my song Nail, like out in the, <laughs> in like the street. I, I think I remember seeing like a video or photo of that. So that was like fun. quite a bit of people. Like it was like maybe 20, 30 people surrounded around Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, we're all, we all made it out here, so we might as well. And it also wasn't it wasn't that bad. Like they shut the city down, but I'm like, you guys have had worse. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. God. Well, yeah. Thanks for chatting me. It's fantastic yeah. to chat with you. Thank you. Um, before like I end off completely, I I mean this I have to ask because you have this album coming out soon. How's it feel knowing it's coming? Um, it's it's exciting, but at the same time, um. It's complicated because I feel like it's such a personal album that I have distance. Like I'm trying to give myself distance. So as not to feel so vulnerable when it comes out, you know. Do you feel like it'll probably surprise people like who are familiar with your music? Like, I, I haven't even thought that far with this one. Really? Yeah. It, there's kind of like a, um, it's very different. I don't know how to explain it, but I kind of, I'm just not thinking about it. You know, I'm just letting, if it comes out, because I don't, people, how do I say it? Sometimes, you know, people are critical and they'll, they'll, it's, it's subjective, so they either will like it or they won't, you know? I just don't, I have zero tolerance for people not liking it because it, this record is for me, you know? And so I can't even give any power to subjective opinion because, or external subjective opinion because, um, this record fed me during really difficult times and so I hope people can get something out of it for their own lives and I hope that it can affect them and help them in the way that it helped me but I just can't I can't think about people being like oh I don't like that song or I don't like what she did there you know because that's that's not what it's about yeah and you know in case anyone might hear that and figure it feel it to be like an apprehensive thing I think that's a state because everything we just talked about yeah a statement like that makes so much sense to me because it's like you said you've lived with this and the idea that yeah. someone will listen to maybe 30 40 seconds and then write it off it's almost kind of it's ludicrous really well it's like and I get it, I get it I do the same thing but it's like this it's just this shit is so so precious to me these songs were written during like really intense times for people that that were going through really intense things as well yeah. and so just you know it's it's actually kind of liberating i'm in a very liberated position to be like this record is one thing to me and i won't let anybody take that away from me that's amazing you know? and so i think sometimes in the past i was like oh i hope people like this and yeah. and i do hope people like it but at the same time if they don't i can't like i just it's not. It's not about that. It's not about whether they they like it or, or don't. It's if they help if it helped them. I feel like what you described specifically just now, like being able to have that liberating feeling and just being able to have the thoughts of your album, regardless of reception. I feel like for many artists, that's what you're looking for the whole time. Yeah. Like what you're striving for. Yeah. Uh, just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, thank you for chatting with me today. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Cheers.